0: This is a Valerie Moss original podcast. Hey everyone, it's Valerie here. Today's show is about anglers, which is a verb, a person who fishes with a rod and line. For example, a carp angler, a person who fishes with hook and line, especially for pleasure. First known use of the word angler was in the 15th century. A-N-G-L-E-R-S. Another word for fishing and also trolling in Pisces and seamen and goldfish. Trawler. Pescatorial. Casting. Just to name a few to describe this amazing sport of fishing. When I was a kid, I remember distinctly fishing with my Uncle Murray. Rest in peace. He was known for fishing in the small town of Hinton, Alberta, where I grew up. We, my sister and I, would go with my dad and my uncle dredging through the cold Alberta lakes in search for fish. My uncle could catch a fish in his first cast. The fish wanted to be with my uncle. Everyone was impressed at his uncanny ability to catch fish so naturally. One time, while we were fishing with my dad and family, I was about five maybe. We had caught some fish. They were placed in a five-gallon pail waiting to be cleaned up. Dad said to us girls, go grab those fish and bring them here. How? By their eyes or head or something? Well, we grabbed the fish and it still had some flap left in it. It wiggled and flopped as we went to grab for cleaning it, and we yelled, It's alive! It's alive! A fond memory indeed. And here's my second fishing story. I remember this one a little bit vividly. I was a few years older. We, my Auntie Kathy, and my Uncle Randy. Rest in peace. And my sister were in a boat chugging along, my first time holding a fishing rod. And doing this, I was so excited and chatty, just like I am now. And my aunt gave me her favorite hook. It looked like a bumblebee, all furry and black and white and striped. Oh, I felt so proud. I was ready to cast. I casted the whole bait, rod, and all over the side of the boat. Today's show is about fly fishing with two special ladies who found humbleness and love in the sport of fly fishing. They soul search and mentor. They teach and learn from each other. A great group right here in Calgary. CWFF, Calgary Women's Fly Fishing Club. Welcome back to Valerie's Variety Podcast with your host, me, Valerie Moss. This show is about eating, reading, and creating. How these three things influence us every day and the people that make this happen. Isn't it you, or me, or our friends? Welcome Tony Topilka to the show. She is on the board of directors for the not-for-profit Calgary Women's Fly Fishers and a member of the not-for-profit Hook and Hackle Club in Calgary, Alberta. She is an avid angler since very young. Tony has fished many waters in Canada, including British Columbia. Various lakes and rivers throughout Alberta, including the Bow River, the Old Man, and the Livingstone Rivers. Also, still waters in Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and Ontario. She's had a lifetime of spin-cast fishing. At the age of 50, Tony Bravely took up a fly rod in 2018 (laughs) after joining the CWFF Club. And with the encouragement of membership, caught her first trout with a fly on the annual club campout at the Old Man River. Since then, she's learned to tie flies and is eager to teach new club members how to tie their own flies at club meetings. Welcome Amber Ramsey to the show, a mother of two from a small town in Saskatchewan originally but moved to Calgary many years ago. She started fly fishing by taking a lesson from Jim and Linda McClellan, something she's always wanted to do. I've known Amber for over 20 years, and she's also a top real estate agent in Calgary and loves her work. And Tony, I've also known Tony for a number of years. We worked on a rather large project together in our own fields. And being some of the few women on this job, we became confidants and fast friends. Little did I know that these two women also knew each other through the fly fishing community. Talk about six degrees of separation. Welcome to the show, Tony and Amber. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much.
0: I know nothing about fly fishing. And the little bit that Amber has told London and I, my daughter, about it, it sounds like a very interesting sport, especially for women, because you don't have to haul around all this tackle and you don't have to, you know, have boats and you can just kind of be with yourself and really have this neat journey. Fly fishing is. Is it popular or not popular? Like, what is it that drew you guys to the sport? I'll start with you, Amber, since you're kind of the newbie out of the two of you, right? Ish.
1: I don't know. Yeah, I am the newbie. Tony has way more experience and way more <laughs> angling. I don't know if it's really popular. I think it is because like uh, we have you know, readily available shops that supply equipment and lots of people do it. I don't know how many women do the sport. It seems like they kind of do it a little bit quieter. The men seem to be doing it a bit more. Um what drew me to it was just the peacefulness of it, you know, of the fact of going down to river tossing a line and you know wading out into the water and it's it's not just like oh you're just going to cast and you know reel it in it's you know it's deliberate it's methodical it's kind of a lot of thought goes into what fly you put on the end of your line and um and it's a bit analytical in that way too. And it's more consistent, right? It's not like casting in and kind of waiting for the the bait. Yeah, so you don't bait. So you kind of match your fly to the hatch that's happening on the river with the insects.
0: This word "hatch" means, in fact, many fishermen describe their trips to the water more in terms. of of the insects than the fish. Fly fishermen, however, use the term hatch to describe the moment when adult insects pop up on the water surface and fly out. This occurs after they emerge from a nymph or pupa rather than an egg. You'll hear this word throughout the episode, so remember this definition.
1: Um, whether that's underneath the rocks or what, the, what the trout are feeding on is you're matching it. So to me, it was very, it's not like you're just going out there and just going to cast a bunch of line and catch something, you know, it's, it's more of a challenge. It's more of a, I want to say a game, I guess. I don't hmm. even know if that's right, but it's, it's more of a sport in, in the way I looked at it, but I don't know. Tony would agree with that
2: or not I would agree with many of the things that Amber said about it Um, I was personally drawn to it after so many years of using another method because I would see these mostly men on the shore and it looked so beautiful the arcs that they could get when they were casting out the the line just looked like it was so peaceful and also there was no splashing Fly would hit the water, there wasn't a big splash. And I thought, well, that's probably why they're catching more fish because they're not scaring the fish. Yeah, I agree that it's uh, methodical and a lot of thought has to go into what you select to put on the end of your line. It's like an art, I would say. You know what's interesting
0: is about your peaceful, like your comment about it being kind of peaceful when you're casting out. Last night, I was watching Heartland. London and I started watching it as, like, I don't know, just a show for us. And he was sitting out casting a fly fishing line. And I was, like, preparing for the show today. And I'm thinking the sun was kind of coming down. And you could see, like, the little twinkle of bugs around him. He had, like, his great cowboy hat on. I don't know if you guys watched that show or not. But he had his, like great cowboy hat on and just working his fly fish fly what do you call it a fishing stick I know <laughs> his rod. fly fishing rod out <laughs> in I was like wow it's so peaceful and he it's meditated kind of by himself.
2: Yeah so I would say it's meditative in a lot of ways and uh, it's so quiet. The, the form of fishing in this way is so quiet as well. Um, when you're reeling in a fish, there's no sound of the clicks of the reel. You're right. stripping in the line quietly, and no one around you would know you caught a fish, other than you bending down and picking it up, releasing it back in.
0: Some of the benefits of fly fishing is to distress, focus, and relax. Just being in the air helps your body to restore and repair. There's science behind why you feel so good after a day on the water, whether you've caught something or not. There are actually organizations that promote fly fishing to improve mental and physical health. And we all need to do this.
1: It's very much like a rhythm. There's a rhythm to the casting. There's a rhythm to the the whole day on the river. I find it's a very interesting, peaceful thing. And I was always drawn to it, too, because of the that movie that I think it was Brad Pitt in it. The River Runs Through It, which is filmed in the Columbia River area. And I mean, it's just massively beautiful. I don't I know it, that movie. I must I know it. It I sounds familiar. Yeah. A River Runs Through It, it was Brad Pitt. I think it would have been in the 90s.
0: Have you heard this movie, River Runs Through It? There's a link in my show notes. But if you haven't seen the movie, it was released in like 1992. Here's a blurb from Norman McLean, who wrote the original story the movie's based off of. Of course now, I am too old to be much of a fisherman. And now I usually fish the big waters alone, although some friends think I shouldn't. But when I'm alone in the half-light of the canyon, all existence seems to fade to a being with my soul and memories, and the sounds of the big Blackfoot River, and the four-count rhythm, and a hope that a fish will rise. Eventually all things merge into one, and a river runs through it. The river was cut by the world's great flood, and runs over rocks from the basement of time. On some of the rocks are timeless raindrops. Under the rocks are the words, and some of the words are theirs. I am haunted by waters. Norman McLean, 1976
1: But It's a kind of sport where it's catch and release so it's not about, oh yeah, I caught six or you know, or whatever. You know, it's like you're friend, your environmentally friendly to the trout public populations. And sometimes I think you can catch the same fish over and over again. Can you not,
2: Tony? I would agree with that, too. They do they're tend not very to,
0: smart, right?
2: They're actually quite smart.
0: Oh, they are? Oh. Yeah. I had to do some digging on this. And indeed, fish are very smart. And actually, they can be compared to the same IQ levels as humans. For example, according to Colin Brown from McCary University, fish are more intelligent than they appear. In many areas, such as memory, their cognitive powers match or exceed those of higher vertebrates, including non-human primates. Fish hold records for the relative brain weights of vertebrates. What is the smartest type of fish? The East African cichlid fish, a tiny fish no more than seven centimeters long is able to recognize unfamiliar individuals just by looking at their eyes. What is the IQ of a fish? We do know that IQ depends heavily on the species of fish. For instance, goldfish tend to be very unintelligent with IQs measured in the 30s to 40 range. While some fish, such as freshwater salmon, have IQs measured to be as high as 130. To put this into context, President Obama has an IQ of 125.
2: There's a book called What Fish Think. And um, it's a delicious little book, um, Cute. all about the way they see, smell, sense. They're very social animals.
0: Just to clarify, the book Tony is referring to is called
2: What a Fish Knows. Huh. And uh, it's, I guess
0: they have to be if they're in those big schools.
2: Yeah, and so they pick spots where they hang out. And so it would be completely likely that if you caught him once in one spot, you give him a half an hour, he'll be back there.
0: Hmm. And do you find that catch and release is, like you're saying, it's kind of more sustainable, but does it damage the fish at all? Like I well, know with a hook, it would be kind of damaging on their mouths and, you know, on their gills, but...
2: We really promote that we crimp the hooks. When we tie flies, we crimp the hooks with pliers prior to even tying a fly. So I know when I go in my fly box, all the flies that I've tied are already crimped.
1: What yes. does that mean, crimped? Oh, yeah. So there's no barbs on the on the hook.
2: Oh, okay.
0: So it's smooth.
2: Mm-hmm. There will be a little bit of damage to the fish's mouth because it would get pierced, but it removes much easily, like much easier. I see. Because
0: I heard recently that um, catch and release with a standard fishing rod is not as nice as people think because of that barb, and it does destroy their mouth or destroy a bit of their gill. So it's not as um, safe as I think. What people think it should be but it sounds like this method because there's no barb it would be a lot nicer to remove and less damage
2: there's also only one hook on okay. this, whereas many of the hooks that you would use spin casting have a treble hook three hooks right. right and so the fish if it takes that hook deep and and those fishers don't tend to crimp their barbs that fish not. can be very damaged Right.
0: The idea of catch and release was first developed in the UK to prevent overfishing species and basically eradicating that population. This means that you catch the fish, remove the hook, and release the fish back into the wild. If the hook has a barb or a spike on the hook, it's much harder to remove without damage especially if it's swallowed and not just hooked within their mouth or jaw. Without a barb, it's a lot safer to remove and easier to remove on the fish. There are some debate about the mortality rate with catch and release, varying with types of fish, location, and hooks. There's a barbed hook when fishing. This is a small triangular-shaped metal at the end of the hook the points opposite the direction of the sharp end. The purpose is to hold the hook in place, lodge it into the captive. When they crimp the hooks, this removes the barb, and the hook will come out more safely from the fish, causing less damage than a typical barbed tri-hook. I'm so curious about this. I have so many questions. (laughs) Is that (laughs) good? Or are they... Like Amber was saying, you kind of will make them to reflect the bugs in the air, perhaps. Is that right?
1: Yep. Are they yeah. different seasons?
0: So what the bugs season... in the...
1: Well, it all depends because there's so many different types of insects that are hatch, you know, at different times along the river. So okay. sometimes you have, like, little nymphs. Um, uh, like blood bugs so if you're turning over rocks in the river you can see the bugs on the bottom of them um, or sometimes if you brush the bushes you'll get a cloud of of bugs maybe caddis or mayflies or something like that and so you can match whatever's on the river maybe what the trout is fe- feeding on to what you're going to tie on the end of your line Would you tie it then when you're out or would you tie it before you go out? You you tie it then and you Mm. could change it. You'd be like, you know, do a couple casts and that fly is not working or that, you know, nymph or that worm isn't working. And you might just, okay, well, change it up. Just try, you know, Mm. usually go with quite a few different flies to the edge of the river and cut them off and tie a new one. Oh, Did you say
2: that, for Cody? Yeah, that's that's fair. I mean, once you start fishing some bodies of water and you're familiar with the hatches that could be occurring when you're fishing at that time, in your fly box you will have the variety, like Amber was saying, the the mayfly, the caddis, a variety of nymphs. Um, if fish are jumping, they're typically feeding right at the surface, or there might be another kind of fly called an emerger fly, which hangs right at the, uh, what do they call it, Um, right at the edge of the waterline. There's Mm. a a word for that that I can't recall. And um, so the fish will be jumping either for landed bugs, bugs flying over the water, or bugs that are just like being hatched, Say crawling out of their nymph skin and flexing their wings and getting to the water surface.
0: Oh, interesting!
2: So fish feed in many different levels of the water.
1: Okay. Kind of like they're, you know, they could be feeding at any point of the life life cycle of that bug okay. that may or bugs, right? Right. And, and depends
0: on the size of the fish at the time, maybe, right? Or would they, the fish eat any, any of that level? They'll like eat, Any of those different...
2: They'll eat... Um, I believe one of the speakers we had at our Calgary Women's Fly Fishers Club was saying that um, they will eat whatever they can put in their mouth. So some of those larger fish have quite a large mouth. And it can eat, I believe it was up to two thirds of their body size. So they. Oh my gosh. I mean, if they were a hungry big fish, they could eat a significantly larger lure.
0: Here's some 23 edibles that these little lazy opportunistic species eat snails, terrestrial and aquatic insects, fish, worms, and even mice. Midges, mayflies, caddis, stoneflies, terrestrials like grasshoppers, beetles, crustaceans like crayfish. Other fish, of course, who are smaller than them and maybe struggling.
2: Trout and other fish around here, for sure, they all thrive on these tiny little gnats and midges. They will eat them in clusters on the water. They just they will go up and they'll scoop it all up softly. So it sounds
0: like you guys had to do some research on like insects,
2: different bugs. It's, it's, a, it's very fascinating, and there are several biologists in our club that, wow, that cool. are able to uh, really educate us.
1: Yeah.
0: So, did you yeah, find it, that fascinating? Because I wouldn't even know like a caddis from a
1: mayfly at all. <laughs> Two well, years ago, I didn't.
0: I, find, <laughs> I know. Yeah. I find this so interesting. And when you say the word hatch, that just means the egg part of whatever the, the insect
1: is. Yeah. The bug is hatching or releasing mm-hmm. out of its worm. Or oh, nem- literally
0: hatching. Emerging. So the the yeah. wings are,
1: or whatever the body.
0: Yeah. You know, it's coming out of its skin. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it is fascinating. At first, I was like, it was a lot of information. And I don't claim to know it all for sure. Um, but it's one of those things is like, oh, that's what's happening. Or, hey, let's try that. That seems to work. Or, you know, it just depends. Yeah, it's all about the experience, right? You're yeah, trying
0: to figure out the that's
1: yeah. super cool. So, do you both
2: tie your own flies? Are, Tony, you, t- are you tying them,
1: Amber? No. <laughs> I'm only tying them at club meetings. <laughs> ah. <laughs> no, I don't have the equipment and I don't have the supplies. So, and honestly, I don't have the expertise. But Tony, I think, is an expert at that. So.
2: Well, I, su- I sure wasn't. And I'll tell you, um, the day I went to the meeting where Jerry forced me into a chair and said you're tying a fly this evening i i really was i had my doubts that that was going to actually happen, happen or that i uh-huh. would come out with a fly that i would tie on you know my line but um i i like crafts and uh, it's very crafty and yeah. uh, since then the club has actually provided me with some starter equipment and starter mm um materials just little bits here little bits there and um well jerry not the club but uh i have i have accumulated a significant quantity of feathers and string and hooks and I the hunter i like that part yeah yeah I'm
0: super crafty like i could probably sit and tie all your ties amber and be like okay here's yeah.
1: your
0: color-coded you- repertoire yeah. of yeah, I and would the, find that probably
2: so relaxing. And yeah. the hunters at work have been bringing me their kill, like oh my a, god. A wing of a bird or um, fur from the deer, from the feathers. Well, like for that, the feathers, fe- deer fur is what
0: oh deer fur we yeah. use.
2: Yes, mm-hmm. and also feathers from birds.
0: Oh my god, yeah, because you wouldn't need very much, right? You're just talking about this like little tiny thing.
2: Right, you don't need yeah. much. <laughs> no. Yeah,
1: yeah, super cool. And some of them are, you know, this is going to sound really female to say this, but some of them are actually really cool and pretty, like mm-hmm. and very in like the patterns and the way they've been tied, and they're very intricate and. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And then to see them, you know, if it's a dry fly or if it sinks a little, or if it's a nymph and goes right down, or if it's a, you know, so it's just, there's so many different ways of doing it. If it's a streamer, it's kind of like, you know, it streams through the water and.
0: Mm. Mm. And how big are they? Do they range in size? These ties. So I guess you think, they could right.
2: Right. So if you think about a mosquito. Mm -hmm. mosquitoes come in a number of sizes i saw one outside just yesterday that was i could i barely believed it to be a mosquito but we can tie a fly that small oh and and it'll float on the water
0: oh neat okay so they can be right tiny
2: or you you just wanted
0: to catch their attention right so it doesn't actually have to be large right just has to be moving essentially or look alive yeah, use color. Oh yes. Oh fun. Well, yeah, yeah, I'd like that. That'd be fun. I yeah. would just go for the the building of the flies. <laughs> <The> ties. <laughs> would you call them flies or ties? <laughs> flies. Yeah. Flies. Visit my website because Tony has graciously shared pictures of her incredible ties, all nicely tucked away in her tackle box. It is quite the sight to see. Both belong to a group because that's how you met. You sit on the board of it, Tony. That's amazing. Have you always since you joined? Or did they kind of wrangle you in because you were a newbie and they had an empty chair? Fresh meat, yeah. Yeah, fresh meat. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. But you like it. Oh, it's it's they're a great group of women, and um, like I said, they're very encouraging and uh, knowledgeable, and um, I I enjoy volunteering. So when they asked, it's not a
1: paid seat. No, that'd be
0: nice.
2: (laughs) They pay me with knowledge.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's good. What's the um demographic like? Who are you with? Older, younger, Caucasian, like. Are they working people? Are they? I mean, now is not the best time, but are they like professionals? Or are they mostly retired women, or like how would you describe your group,
1: Amber? We have like, a big range of ages, and uh, you know, like being forty-six, I kind of feel like maybe I'm in the middle. So we've got some older ones, and we've got some really young members. But we have, like, I don't know everybody's professions to be honest, but. I think we have a big, wide range of professionals to stay-at-home moms, and Mm. uh, we have really smart women there in that group, uh, from biologists and people who really care about the environment and about the the rivers and our trout fishery, and yeah, and and it's almost like I would say a real everybody there has an interest in the knowledge and to share and it's a very much come and let me share let me teach you let's have fun together kind of environment that's how it
0: should be though when you're in your hobby you should be around people who all they want to talk about is the hobby and learn right and be taught yeah so it sounds like you have a good environment for that and how many people are in your group
1: I don't know what the membership is but
2: so yeah. as of today, I would say we have 39 paid members.
1: Oh, and what are the
0: fees? What are your annual fees?
2: Our annual fee is $50 a year, and I believe okay. we have a reduced rate for younger women uh, under 18. I believe it's $25 oh. for a year. So you could take London with you. Very good. Could. You, you could. can bring her as a guest as well. And th- I'm not sure yeah. if
0: I'm interested in it, but... I'm intrigued let's say that <laughs> yeah. I mean I love to be outdoors and I love my hobbies but I'm not sure if I'm into fishing I'm not sure
2: mm-hmm. well you'll have to come out you'll have to come but out. I would
0: love to experience it like going out and um being outside by myself and walking along a stream like totally love that
1: yeah, yeah.
0: so I think that would be a good uh I get experience. And when you guys went on your camp out, were
2: you all tenting? Or what was it like? Lodging? There was a variety of lodging. Mm-hmm. Um, none of us are judgmental. <laughs> it's yeah. the greatest thing. This a? group of women, right, Amber? It's totally true. It's totally right. true. Um, we have women who sleep in their in their SUV we have mm-hmm. women who prefer to have the glamping experience so they like the rv
1: mm-hmm. we have
2: women in tents uh women rent trailers oh uh, yeah okay pretty much every camping uh scenario we have them all
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah yeah and what did so you guys do did you tent
1: i tented yeah. and i got freaked out <laughs> 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 but but, um, but you you were in a camper, weren't you? or a trailer, Tony? This year, right? Or,
2: yeah. yeah, this year I was in a in a trailer, or last yeah. year, Pardon me.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you went for just like a long weekend or something.
2: We did three nights.
0: oh, wow, that's quite a bit. And you're by your
1: South Amber in your tent. I, well, there was people around me, but yeah, 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 I was in my tent and thought there was something outside. <laughs> <laughs> oh, totally. So I might sleep in the back of my car next year, but <laughs> or this year.
2: Yeah.
0: Are you guys yeah.
1: planning to go this year?
2: We are planning to go. Uh, We had a board meeting earlier this week, and we've decided that um, we won't be going to the old man. Um, I'm not sure when you'll be broadcasting this podcast, but um, Mm. we do have another. It's a private camping site. Um, Mm. A woman knows another woman. And so we've got a locked, gated um, piece of property along the river Um, that we're looking at Uh, we have to of course look at all the health regulations that might be in place at that time and um, and we can't do the whole potluck dinner like we usually do right Um, but yeah we're doing it again this year and when is it it's august 13th 14th 15th
0: so you guys should be fine by then
2: even for potluck fingers crossed right yeah i don't know. know they could shut everything down again I know. Well, especially if wave two comes and our numbers spike.
0: Doesn't this sound like a great time? I must go with Amber to experience this camp out. I love to camp, albeit in a trailer, but I think I could handle a tent for a weekend, especially in August. Me and mosquitoes are like buddies, you know. If you didn't catch the dates, it's mid August for 2020. And as of now, in June, it's still on the calendar as a go. If you're interested, all of the links are in my show notes, Calgary Women's Fly Fishing Club of Calgary. And here's a little story about mine and Amber's tenting together when we were in our 20s. I remember camping with Amber one time, and we were about maybe 18 or 20 maybe. And we were staying in Jack. Do you remember this, Amber? Oh, no, but yeah. I probably still have the same tent. <laughs> oh my God. And so we, we were staying, I don't know, by Grand Cash by Jasper area. And we, uh, we hiked all day and then we pull into this campsite and it's already dark and we're at the, by the light of the headlights setting up this tent (laughs) and we couldn't see anything. It was like so pitch black. Remember it smelled so good. I still remember that it smelled like pine trees, you know, like wet pine. (laughs) Anyway, so we pull in, it's so late. We have to like pee in the bush because we don't even know where we are. And then the sun came up in the morning and we packed up our tent and we were on our way and we didn't even like see our neighbors or anything i remember that that was a really fun night i still have that is the tent i tented in still? oh my god <laughs> how many years later
1: that's crazy
0: we will leave it here for today what did you think about part one In part two, which will be released tomorrow, we will be discussing the beauty of fishing, how to read the water, how to cast, where to buy equipment, and some of their favorite books. Thanks for listening today. Please stay subscribed. Please keep in touch and share my show with your friends, family, and colleagues. Follow me on Instagram and Facebook and Pinterest. It's growing and building, and I love sharing and learning from you guys. Email or text me at my email address, valerie at valeriemoss.ca, and share your ideas and your comments about my show. My new show music is called Girl, and I love it. It's by Text Me Records, Leviathan. Intro and outro is recorded by London Moss. Cover art and production is by me, Valerie Moss. Thanks for listening.
1: Visit ValerieMoss.ca for more information.